So I want to welcome you to the podcast. So welcome Thank to the you. podcast. Thank you. Um, so for those of you who don't know Vadim Perlman, he is a very well-known filmmaker and he's done some international movies. He's done movies here in the United States and he's also been doing movies far away in the Ukraine or how, what are we calling it now? Are we calling we're it, calling it No, we're calling it Russia. <laughs> we're back to Russia. Okay. No, the, the films are in Russia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So the films are in Russia. Um, and, uh, I am lucky that I had the opportunity to work with Vadim and some people kept saying to me when I was doing this podcast, and I'm kind of like figuring out what kind of different types of artists I'd like to interview. Several people said, I don't understand why you haven't interviewed Vadim yet. And so I was like, well, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he's busy. Was this this my mom you were talking to? (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't. It wasn't actually. It was, it was like real filmmakers on, you know, Mm -hmm. people on who were kind of filmmakers like you, you know, who've had like big movies and gotten. Nice to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Notoriety. So I said, all right, you know, I'll, I'll see if he can make it. (laughs) I'm good. All right. Well, welcome. So, so Vadim, you know when I started. Well, just so, why, don't, why don't you let people know what what our experience working together was? Just so, okay. just so you have a. Okay. Know, maybe that wasn't your plan, but I think that'd be a good way to. It was definitely not my plan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of my experiences working with Vadim is I had I was it was possibly one of the luckiest days of my life in Los Angeles because I was living with a roommate that I, you know, how that is. Um, and I had gone to an audition and for some play from somebody I knew from graduate school. So I was all warmed up. And then I got this phone call and they said, Hey, can you go audition? Uh, they're doing this movie with Jennifer Connelly and she's pregnant. So she can't do all these stunts. She can't do all this stuff in the movie. Um, can you go over there and audition and just see if you could the, you know, be her stunt double. So I was like, oh yeah, sure. Okay. I'll go right over there right now. I well, had just, no... I want to clarify. I want to clarify. This wasn't the film. This was the reshoots or the additional shooting. That's what she wasn't pregnant when she was shooting the film, but a couple months after the film, she was already showing. And that's when we needed, a, a, you know, a double, not a stand-in too. Right. I'm sorry. Double. That's a bigger, that's a much bigger, much, uh, much more prestigious position. job. Well, because you're, you're, you're on camera. You're not just being lit and like goodbye. the clips of the movie i was like wait a minute this is this movie looks awesome and then i started to get excited and i was like i have to beat these other girls and i have to get this this is this movie is great <laughs> so so you um, practiced looking like jennifer connerly more and more, and more. as the moments <laughs> went by i just tried to i'm like Channel i tried to jennifer morph Connelly. myself as much as i yeah. possibly could into her and if you ever stand jennifer connerly and myself next to each other there's no comparison. We don't look anything alike from the front. I'm talking about from the front. Um, but uh, yeah, so then I was lucky enough to work with the team on these reshoots. And I got to set and I met him and I was like, wow, this guy's mm-hmm. like hardcore filmmaker. Um, he's... Can I just clarify one more thing? Yes. Re- reshoots 
is has a very negative connotation. That just means that something didn't work out the first time. And you're reshooting it in the, you know, something didn't work in the edit, you realize something's not working. So now you have to go and shoot something that works. This was additional photography. <laughs> okay, so, so I, I wasn't I just in have the, to stick up, the, stick up for my movie. <laughs> okay, so this was not the main part. It was like the the let's get this movie working part. So there was a lot of pressure yeah. on. There's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so we met on set on that movie, and I was like, "Wow, this guy is an amazing director," because I thought you understood actors because the kind of directing I had been getting from some of the other auditions I had been going on. Um, and some of those were broad comedies. I'm not even going to name them. And mm -hmm. the, you know, mm -hmm. those directors have made huge movies and those movies have made a lot of money, but that's not the kind of stuff I really trained on. Mm -hmm. And so when I showed up on set there, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is somebody who actually speaks this, a similar artistic language and I can understand them. So it was quite exciting uh, working on that. And then also working on the shoots up in um, on location in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So, and that was when I am still to this day grateful to Roger Deakins who finally won the Oscar this year. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, it's again, oh, not again, it's not again. Deserved it, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And I was going, but, you know, it was you and Roger who really um, helped me a lot and taught me so much um, working on those um, shoots and, on the, you know, being up there with you guys and Roger, like literally when you guys were stepping in front of like how, to, you know, the lighting in front of the camera and the walking and the running scenes. And it's so technical that, um, you know, if you're like me, you just click on a movie and you're like, eh, I liked it. I didn't like it. You know, you're, it's like, we're so critical as viewers and our attention yeah. span is so different. It's like the making of the movie is so much harder than just watching the movie. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, how did you get the idea to work, to decide that you were like, I love this book or I want to turn this into a movie? How did you get that vision for that? Well, the story is well documented. You know, I was uh, I was shooting commercials. It's quite successful as a commercials director, um, and uh, I was um, you know kind of biding my time. But it really allowed me the time to really choose the right material instead of jumping into you know uh, films that normally commercial directors were hired for at that time. You know, as their first uh, quote unquote break or chance. So I, I turned all that stuff down that was being offered to those directors and and me included. And I waited for the right thing. And I was um, it was very funny. I was in um, shooting a commercial in Italy, and actually it was all over the world. And uh, in the Rome airport, I found this book. I, I was always a reader, so I always needed a book to read on the plane. And it was a long flight, I think, to Singapore. And um, I went to the bookstore and there was like a little English rack, English language book rack. And I spun it around and I saw this book and I read the back as I usually do. And, and I said, oh, this sounds interesting. It's a story about immigrants. You know, I'm an immigrant. And so maybe I can relate to this and it looks good. I usually read like the first page to get, you know, to see whether I'm going to connect to this or not. And I did. And I read the book and I just fell in love with it. And then, then it was... Uh, just you know, acting as quickly as we could because uh, in the middle of negotiation 
for the rights, uh, the book became an Oprah choice. One of the one of the Oprah book clubs. I mean, books. how does that happen? That you go, okay, I love it. I'm in the battle, and now it's blowing up on Oprah. So then, yeah, yeah, it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying because, you know, it was if you've seen the movie, it was the same as uh, Birani, the Iranian colonel, buying that house. And somebody coming and saying, no, you can't keep it. <laughs> it was almost, it was exact. I had exactly the same sort of emotions, <laughs> you know, which is kind of funny. But um, no, it was, it was very touch and go. The, what, what really helped is that uh, Andre, the author, Andre Debus III, he really, he did not, um, you know, he, he was just very reticent to just give the rights up. And it doesn't matter what money he was offered or by whom, you know, it, it didn't really matter. And so what it took was, a really um, honest and um, heartfelt pitch, essentially by me, and about my passion for this material and how much I loved it. I, I, I managed to get his phone number through his representative, you know, and I called him. I don't think anybody else did that. All these studios that wanted to film, um, you know, at that time it was pretty much everybody. And so I just spent my own money on this option, and even then it was touch and go. Even then. That's that's when I had my famous run-ins with Harvey Weinstein. That's when I had my famous, um, you know, um, because of the rights and because he wanted to buy them out from under me. And um, so it was a lot of a lot of a lot of time was spent um, kind of wresting these rights away out of the greasy little hands of others. And um, and then 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 I just had to create it. You know, I had to write the script. I had to adapt it. And that was that was actually the toughest part. <laughs> well, it's a it's a beautiful film and it's a beautiful Thank script. You. It's worthwhile. You know, when when you have something that good, and that's I mean, there is a reason why a first time director had uh, James, the late James Horner, as a composer, and uh, Roger Deakins as a director of photography and many, many, many other people. I think there were like five Oscar winners on the crew, maybe more even, you know. So it was uh, quite, you know, it was quite an honor to work with those actors and to work with the, with the people of that caliber. And they all responded to the script. It certainly wasn't because I was pretty. Somehow bamboozled them or sold them this whole idea of, uh, I mean, self-confidence, yeah, self-confidence was always there, but but that doesn't get you far. You know, that just can open the door, but then you have to actually do something. And doing something was writing the script, you know, and when I wrote the script, it worked on its own. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of it kind of gathered all those people and attracted all those people and, and obviously studios and finance and all that. So what was your biggest challenge when you were making that movie? Um, from a personal standpoint, from a technical standpoint, when you were just like in the throes of it, but also from a personal standpoint, as an artist dealing with. It's hard because I wore, you know, it's it's hard to answer that question because I wore so many hats. You know, I was a producer, I was a screenwriter, and I was a director. And all of that was my very first time. So the whole thing was actually a giant challenge. You know, every day I had to, I had to pretend I knew what I was doing. That's how, you know, until I learned very quickly with the help of people like Roger Deakins and with the help of people like Ben Kingsley, who taught me how to work with actors, really. He did. He's so the you, guy with, wait, so you didn't really have, 
I, I thought you might have had some acting experience on your own before. Oh, I did. I did. But what, what do I know? You know, 99% of everybody is garbage. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I can't call myself a great actor. Mm-hmm. So, and especially that didn't teach me how to deal with other actors and how to, you know, that, that hardly ever works, you know, where even for great actors, when they become directors, they have, they can translate that into directing other actors most of the time. Yeah. So, so all that was learned and all that. So to answer your question, the whole thing was a challenge, the whole thing, but a worthwhile one, you know, like I wasn't discouraged at all by that. I, I it was exciting for me. To, to be involved with it. Um, so let, let's go back a little bit. Like, how did you first decide that you were going to be even in the entertainment business, or how did that? <laughs> how did that all of a sudden you were just like, you know, your some little kids are like, oh, I, <laughs> I want to. I love that word. I love that word. The entertainment. You know, it's like that joke where the guy's shoveling elephant shit in the middle of a circus ring, <laughs> and he's like, oh god, he's complaining and uh, bitching. And this other guy comes over and goes, what are you doing? Why don't you just quit? He goes, what, and leave show business? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, an old, it's an old joke, you know? It's an entertainment business. <laughs> entertainment business, you know, strippers are an entertainment business. Well, you I know, would like so. to say become a director, but I... I'll become a director. <laughs> but you're more yeah. than just a regular director because you're doing the writing, you're doing the producing, you've done commercials, you've done TV. Yeah, but I've also, now, now I've directed you lately in my career, I've directed things I had nothing to do with writing. Or producing, for that matter. Mm-hmm. I, did, I just did a TV series that was absolutely just ready-made material that was absolutely brilliant, and I loved it. And I just stepped right in, and I, no, I, in a way, I made it my own. Is is that and, the one you know, that you're talking about, uh, Pipel? The what? Wh- which one are your which t- which one? Because I know there's a few. This one's a, well, it has a it has a couple of names, but the, the true name is Adultery. Oh, the yes, or, or infidelity, or you know, right? I did, I did. Of that word, <laughs> mm-hmm. I did get to see some episodes of that, and oh, I, you did, awesome, and I loved it. It's, I kind of, yeah. you know, how you know a television show is good because you just get sucked in, and then all yeah. of a sudden I was like, okay, this is in Russian. I don't, I don't even. I'm just totally wrapped up in this whole thing. <laughs> I was I totally I sucked well, because in because it's it's universal. We're we're actually making it in the states now. There's, Congratulations! Uh, yeah, and. Um, I'm the showrunner on it because, well, I made it my own. Uh, there was a brilliant, brilliant script written of 16 hours of it because it's a closed-end series. It doesn't have like a second season or anything like that. It was like one season of 16 hours, 16 episodes. And I just, wow, when I started reading it, I was just absolutely like you. You know, I was absolutely hooked. And it was fun shooting it. A lot of fun. And some people, funny enough, consider it the best thing I've done, which is kind of weird, you know, better than my films because it's a little more mature. It's the last, one of the last things I've done. So it's, you know, I'm growing as an artist and I have more experience now and more self-confidence. And I think, I think it's, um, I like it. Certainly I'm proud of it. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Now that the writer of that, that was Daria, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's a young, beautiful girl. I mean, woman. How did you, um, so what happened? How did you come to the project? Oh, a Russian producer who worked for the network flew down to LA. They did two pilots with other directors, with Russian directors there. And it was absolute, uh, well, to them, they didn't like what they did. <laughs> and, and, then, and then I ended up seeing it and, and they were right not to like it because it wasn't funny and 
Matter of fact, when they showed it to me after I was already showed my interest in the project, I got scared and I said, I don't know if I want to do this now. Maybe I misjudged it because seeing it on the screen is it's like not funny, which is, you know, great because it challenged me too. Um, yeah, so he sat here and he waited for two weeks for me to even start reading it because I was busy reading. I had a whole bunch of stuff backlogged reading. So we sat at some hotel in Beverly Hills and waited on their budget. And every day, not every day, every couple of days, he would call me, check in. I said, I haven't read it yet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. And he's like, oh, well, well, they're really wondering when you're going to finish reading. I go, you know, if you don't like it, go fly back. You know, I don't, you know, okay. So I wasn't, I, I didn't know what I had, you know, it was funny. And then finally, I was like, all right, I read it, like, the, half of the first episode, so it's the fair reading. And I just got hooked. I mean, it's like 16 hours of, of uh, material. Basically, like, uh, what is it, 12 scripts, 12 mm -hmm. films? <laughs> Shot 12 films in the time, you know, not 12. Wow. Am I mistaken? Nine, nine films. So when they came to you, they had all 12 for you to read, or they it had was all just the pilot? Out. No, the whole thing was written. Wow. That's, what, that's, that's why I agreed to do it, because, you know, sometimes, quite often, there'll be a great pilot, and then who the hell knows what's going to happen after that. Right. And, and then directors go, you know, I'll film the pilot. And then we'll figure it out. If I like it, you know, I'll do some more. If not, then I'll just leave it with the pilot. But here they wanted, you know, they wanted one voice because it's not really, a, I mean, you've seen it. It's not really a TV show. It's like, it's uh, it's as closed as, uh, not that it compares stylistically, but it's as closed a TV series as Big Little Lies, for example. Right. And at the beginning, middle, and an end. You know, it's not, it's not like, oh, here's Big Little Lies second season. You know, or... You know what I mean, right? It's uh, a different kind of a TV series. Right. Um, I, I I really enjoyed it. I loved it. But also, you know, I'm a big fan of your work. So. Thanks. I, well, yeah. apparently a lot of people enjoyed it because it won every award in Russia. Best series, best director, best actress. Yeah, I noticed broke, that. Broke, <laughs> broke, all kinds of, broke all kinds of records. So I'm very happy about that. Yeah. And so you're going to go work with Daria again, or you have on Buy Me. I have. On Buy yeah, Me. I have on this feature film we just did. Yeah. Now, when you went to go do this feature film Buy Me, was it like nothing? Not not that big of a deal because you've just done 12 episodes, or was it like you know, 16 or 16, 16 episodes? Yeah. Um, Were you like, we should be able yeah. to get this done pretty quickly? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. There was that feeling, you guessed it right. It was definitely that feeling. There was a moment of re relaxation, and it was like, shit, I'm just shooting an episode and a half here, you know, in, in mm -hmm. uh, six months mm -hmm. process, you know, whereas the other one was 16 hours in one year. So, yeah, it was pretty crazy. But, you know, nevertheless, good film, I think. Good. It's not, I mean, not, not, not perfect, but good. I like it. So can you talk a little bit about Buy Me? Because Buy Me mm -hmm. um, deals with sex trafficking, right? Well, kind of. Not really. I mean, it, I think if you read the log lines. I did. Basically. I did read yeah, the log it, line. It, it's overselling it a little bit. It's okay. about a girl, a young girl. She's like 18, 19, a freshman college student who lives with her mother, a very domineering mother. And she's a... She's a comparative literature student, but intellectual girl, very pretty. And she just wants to live, you know, carpe diem, or what the kids say right now, 
YOLO. <laughs> you only live once, right? Right. So, so she she goes. She 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 wants to try. What's it like to be a prostitute? What's it like to 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 do drugs? What's it like? And basically, she's just trying things. And uh, how her game of doing that kind of buries, uh, uplifts, but then buries the hopes of people who are who don't have that choice, who are who are stuck in that world. You know, she she kind of dabbles in that world, but they they are seriously stuck in that world because they don't have they don't have an option to go back to the mother. They don't have an option to go to college, to Paris. You know. Anyway, that's about all. That's the only way I can describe it because it's again as everything that Daria writes, it's very non-genre specific. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a drama comedy tragedy, you know, in, in a weird way. It's it's, it's right. impossible to really uh, pinpoint, but it's good, good, good film, good fun film. So where can we see it? What's that? I said, where can we see it? <laughs> oh, where can you see it? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, right, right now it's just it started its run in Europe. Mm-hmm. I think it just premiered in Germany. I don't know. I think the producers are looking to buy. I'm not a producer of this film. I just, I just did. Essentially, I just did Daria a favor. Mm-hmm. She called me. She said, "Oh, please, please do this." And one of my projects got delayed, and so I said, "All right, I'll do it." I got. It was like very little money. The budget was very small, and it was just like a fun. Okay, let's get this quickly done, and uh, basically because I like working with her on her material. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good film, no. Very good film. So the, you know, I'm, I may it might sound like I'm discounting it, but it's not. It's a good. It's a good type of movie. Well, um, I I do look forward to seeing it. So, however, where can you see it? I can send you a link to it. How's okay, that? and um, you can see it, but just don't put it on the internet. I, I won't put it onto not, it. I, I won't yet. put it onto the internet. But you know, the other people. That would be, that would be like actually the reverse, where there's going to be American pirates of Russian films. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That'll be a little bit of payback. <laughs> That's kind of funny. I know it's yeah. uh, it's really interesting what's going on with you know being able to watch all different television yeah. series around the world because of the internet and um, yeah yeah. Uh, yeah I know that Germany's got some television shows that people are kind of getting sucked into. I can't, I can't even keep up anymore. I can't you know I, I'd have to stop working. You know, it's, like, there's can, so I much can't keep content. Up anymore. People say. Hey, have you seen this? I go, not even. I haven't even heard of it. You know, and oh, so popular. You know, I, I just now, literally six months ago, finished watching Breaking Bad, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Better Call Saul, which I love. But you know, and uh, that's it. That's how far behind I am. And then whenever people say, "Oh, we want it just like this," or "You should see this," you know, because that inspired us to when we wrote this. I, I, well, first of all, I don't like going about creative choices. It's being inspired by other people's work, but uh, can try and be original with it. And second of all, I haven't seen any of it. All these, all these references fly right above my head. I have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I I understand what you're saying because sometimes you you need to watch something because someone else is telling you, oh, you know, it it refers to this. But in, in that other part of it, it's like I don't. Once I see it, I can't unsee it. I, I don't, don't even I want it in my. I it exactly. I don't exactly. want it in my subconscious. And then if I'm trying to create something, I don't want. But imagine, it. imagine if you're a poet and you say you said you knew. Okay, I'm going to sit down and write poetry, 
that's what I'm going to do. And here, but first, I'm going to read some Wordsworth. I'm going to read some, some uh, Bukowski. I'm going to read some, you know, it's, it's like, what, and then what? Why? That's their <laughs> words. It's their words. It's their voice. It's their language. It's their pace. It's their style. I don't, why the fuck would you read other people's or, or watch other people's work to get inspired to do yours? If I can see, and this is something I do do, paintings, uh, photographs even. You know, like I'll look through photo books, not to steal some idea, but just to see like, oh, I really like, you know, like there's a series of photo books that, that are directly responsible for the visual style of House and Fong. Uh, it's a photographer, San Francisco photographer called Todd Fido, H-I-D-O. Brilliant guy who goes out at night and shoots foggy streets foggy suburban streets, uh, you know, with long exposure in right up there, right where it's supposed to be shot. Mm -hmm. you know? So, and that, that was perfect for, you know, just get it, just get the mood. It's like when I sit there and write a script, I'll listen to certain soundtracks of certain movies, you know, get in the mood. That helped. It does help. So, although you're kind of this serious filmmaker because I, I felt like house of sand and fog really said something yeah. and it was kind of a serious movie you also i mean people i, I think that people who might don't know you don't really know that you're so funny and that your personality is so dynamic. They probably think, oh, man, that guy made that other movie about that high school shooting. Man, maybe he's, like, depressed or something. Um, yeah, there, there are people who always come to me once in a while, people who do know me, and say, we have never imagined you. To, like, you should be a stand-up comedian. I, say, have you, I said, well, it's the opposite. See, I'm a tradition. That's what uh, Maya, my ex-partner, called me, you know, tradition, like a magician. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, but tradition. And I said, I said, well, yeah. I mean, have you ever hung around with a comedian? I mean, they're the most depressing people in the world. <laughs> so it's the opposite, I guess. I have to, I have to light, I have to kind of counterbalance that part of my personality. I don't know. I don't really think I'm. Let's talk a little bit about that film, the, uh, the life before her eyes. Mm -hmm. So um, I know that. It's it's like such a hot topic these days, you know, high school shootings and everything like that. And I know it's always been um, kind of a conversation in. Not always. Well, yeah, you're um, right. Not always. But I, I mean, yeah. I guess I'm thinking back to like, you know, in the 1800s when everyone was walking around with guns and kids were still, you know, once they started the there, school there system. There were no high school shooting then. <laughs> no. Even though they had the guns, there was the, there was a person that blew up a school. Right. Um, but that that was that's a crazy bath school massacre it was called. Uh, but um, and then there was that weird thing that happened at the, the first, Amish. The first, the first no, no, the first shooting that ever happened mm -hmm. in America, the first mass shooting that had something to do with an educational institution, was at University of Texas, where the guy climbed up in the tower with a rifle, Whitman, I think was his name. And just randomly started popping people down there in the quad. I don't remember the statistics, but that was the first absolutely random school shooting that had some numbers behind it of victims. And uh, since then, of course, it accelerated, obviously. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the Amish thing 
Well, that's that, that was, it's very, very late. Amish. Hey, what's the biggest one is uh, Virginia Tech still. Right. Yeah, still Virginia Tech with the Vietnamese guy popping off. Um, so what drew you to that? I know it, it was another book, The Life of Her Eyes. It was another book. book. A lot so, of people, see what a lot of people make a mistake, Drew. I, 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 I can, why don't you say your question? Because the listeners won't know what you're about to ask, but I, I already presupposed what you're going to ask, but they won't. So go ahead. Finish your question. I was going to say, so what drew you to the book? Because I know you, you obviously made this movie off of the book. So then yeah. what drew you to that book and that story? Um, and the book is the book was beautifully poetic. Mm-hmm. The book was even more, much more poetic, much more uh, painterly, much more. Um, it was like a poem uh, than than the script or the film even tried to be. I mean, I had some of those little nature things and little cutaways of birds right. and bees and trees and skies and, and so she's, on. And in the book, she's always referring to the sweet smell of garbage. Yeah, exactly. And it's exactly. sometimes I, I, and it's been years since I read the book, but sometimes I'll even, if I'm taking out the garbage, I'll be like, oh, this is, you know, this is what she means, yeah. that sweet smell of garbage. Sweet um, smell of decay, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and yeah, I mean, this book was a poem. It was gorgeous. She's a great writer, an incredible writer. What, what drew me to it was that it really had nothing to do with me. And I know this might have been what you were thinking would be a great topic for your podcast and for your interview. But it had nothing to do with me going, oh, this is about high school shootings and I want to make, I want to say something about that. Or for that matter, this is about abortion. I want to say something about that either. You know, I mean, if anything, if any theme that I did want to say something about was loyalty, you know, to your friends mm-hmm. and how your decisions in a, in a stressful moment or even a non-stressful moment, but mostly in a stressful moment, will impact the rest of your life and those around you. I mean, that's, that's what that film's about. It's about, you know, it's about morals, as, as, as is House Santa Fog is about morals, as is uh, the TV series about morals, mm-hmm. and the, the, the By Me is about morals. That's, that seems to be the common thread, especially uh, with women, because most of my main heroes are women. Yeah, that's so... Quite, I don't know why. Don't ask. <laughs> you know, about to ask. I have no idea why. I was gonna say maybe you're close to your mom. I mean, maybe. Oh well, yeah, obviously I'm close. To, my mom raised me. Yeah, you know, I lost my dad when I was nine, and I'm an only child. And you know, that was with my mom most of my life. But but not like I delved deep into her psychology or was even fascinated by it. Maybe subconsciously, I don't know. I love stories about women. I just love the way they think. I, I really do. That's great, especially because, like, you're ahead of that. You're way, way, way far ahead of that whole thing, the movement that's going on in Hollywood now, where they're like, oh, we have to hire women. Yeah. We have to do this. We have to do that. Yeah. You're like, I've been doing that the whole time. And absolutely. You know, I, I just read something absolutely ridiculous. It's probably not going to endear me to a lot of women in Hollywood. But I read this, this press release uh, from this newly formed company, you know, and this company to be unnamed, but you know, it had some real big players, all women, obviously. And they, the company's uh, mandate, the company's like goal was to have gender equality. Gender <laughs> equality and having giant letters, gender equality. And they said, and then their mandate was, we will make films by women, about women, with women crews. 
<laughs> where, hold on, where the fuck is the gender equality in that? You know, that seems that seems pretty sexist on the you know on the reverse here. That we're not gonna have any men around <laughs> because they obviously don't get it. You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's. Listen, I've, I've. Yeah. Whenever I'm on set and there's a, a woman DP, and you and I know a couple of yeah. women DPs, yeah. I'm always like, oh wow, okay, like what, you know, yeah. that's that's awesome. But like, the grips and the electrical department, every now and then you see some women in there, but like some of that stuff's just heavy. You got to be a big woman to carry some of that equipment. I'm sorry. No, but that's, that's now. Now you're being sexist. Now I'm no. being sexist. Now you're being absolutely. You're, now you're offending me. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm I'm kidding. But you know, it's yeah. I mean, every, everybody has their own strengths. I mean, there are some women that can carry the shit out of something much better than any man can. They're, you know, there there's a women that can um, write a script better than a man can, or shoot a shoot a shot. Or, you know, it's, it's relevant, right? You can't just go, okay, this is going to be only for women and women only. Uh, you know, it's going to be a testosterone-free zone. You know, that's that's about as, as sexist and, and exclusionary as you can get. You know, you okay? Yeah, sorry. Okay. That was a little, um, I promised myself I wasn't going to be eating lozenges in yeah. the middle of the interview because I thought it would be too noisy. Is it lozenge or is it lozenger? Or is it lozenge? lozenge. 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 <laughs> like a city like a city in Switzerland. Ah. Um, that makes a lot of sense. But I love that gender equality. <laughs> we are promoting, not even promoting, we are fucking right behind gender equality. And it's all gonna be by women, for women, about women. Hold on, where's the gender equality, guys? Are you gonna yeah? Anyway. I don't know why I'm doing this. Don't get me started on this stuff. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I'm very, uh, I'm very old country. <laughs> hey, l- listen. But I, I, you know, the thing is, I have absolutely. There is absolutely for me, for me. I, the, the reason I can speak so be so outspoken is because absolutely, truly, I don't know every goddamn racist says that. You know, I have a lot of black friends and so on. But um, you know, for me, there is absolutely, it's absolutely merit based. If a woman. Can write better, can do something better, can can uh, can uh, direct better. Oh, oh God, bless her! Yeah. You know, I would be all over that. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't even think with, the, and I would make sure that she gets paid as much as the man does. You know, maybe even more because she has to sacrifice more. You know, family, kids, all that to be that good. You know, so maybe she deserves even more. Yeah, I mean, I, I truly believe in equality in that way. You know, merit-based, merit-based. That's all it is. I've been watching The Voice this season. <laughs> What's that? That's the show where they sing? It's the show where they sing. Your your old comrade, Kelly Clarkson, is a host. Oh, no good. And I remember right. when I first saw that video, the Because of You video. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, another woman, another main character is a woman. Another women's, you know, issues. Yeah. <laughs> You're like deep, deep subconscious issues. <laughs> you know what? I'm a fucking feminist. I just realized that. I think you are. I actually do think you are. I absolutely do think I am. Yeah. You're a feminist and you didn't try to be and you didn't know you were being one. I may even be a lesbian feminist for all I know. <laughs> 
Absolutely. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I mean, Let I me like look at all those credits. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Kelly Clarkson, yeah. Right. I, I just thought that what you did with that story was beautiful, but how did you get the yeah. idea? Oh, how, it, how does Kelly, that happen Kelly when you're doing had the, music? the idea. Okay. Kelly, Kelly, I mean, had the idea. Kelly wrote the song when she was 16 years old and her parents were going through a divorce. Right. And it was like, the song was like a cry of pain. This is a song called Because of You. Right. For, you, for your listeners so they know what you're talking about. And uh, she called me. I, I remember in, when I was in Toronto shooting commercial. No, I was at the film festival. She called me and she said, oh my God, Vadim. I would love for you to do this video, you know, better than them. And I said, why, why me? I, I, you know, to that point, I've never even heard a Kelly Clarkson song. I don't even know what it was. It's not my style of music. So I said, why? Well, what, what do you, well, I like your films, and I think you could really knock this thing out of the park, you know, as far as it's about divorce and all that. I said, listen, you know, about divorce. And, and that kind of got my, you know, and, and she, she said, here, just go on iTunes, just download the song. And uh, I'll just uh, text you right now, SMS you the lyrics, and you can listen along while, you know, while we're on the phone, because I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to lose you. I'm always very reticent to start new projects, and I'm kind of, you know, I kind of, I'm hard to get, you know, and not because I play hard to get, but because, I, you know, it's, it's a big decision for me every time, you know, so that's why I've done so little mm -hmm. in my career. You know, it's because I could have done already 12 films, you know, but I, I just, I'm very choosy with that. I just want to, I, you know, it's, to me, it's like get married, right? You know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, to be crude about it. It's not like, uh, like dating somebody or fucking somebody, you know, it's, it's like, it's like being married. You have to make a commitment. You have to live with this person. You have to make sure this is the right person for you. Mm -hmm. and same with the projects, you know. Um, so, yeah, so anyway, I read it and it was really, really, really beautiful, the lyrics and actually the song, it was not, not, not such a great piece of music, but it was, it was so heartfelt and so sincere and so incredibly emotional that it, that it just really touched me and I said, yeah, okay, we'll do it. And we did, but then I, I came up with all the visuals, you know, she, she, she contributed to lyrics too. Yeah, I was talking more about how you how you decided on the, the visuals and to tell that story. Was just that illustrate, illustrate. No, I mean to me it was just I sat down, just said, okay, what? How can I illustrate? You know, non, not in a non-dancing way, <laughs> as, as people quite often do in videos, <laughs> in a non-syncopated uh, dancing way, gyrating <laughs> or whatever you want. You know, how can I illustrate? Um, you know, the, what, what it's like for kids to see their parents go through a, a destruction of the house and a divorce, you know? Mm -hmm. And how can, they, how can I also metaphorically, obviously, uh, and not straight in, straight over, illustrate the, you know, the damage that it does throughout generations because it leaves an imprint on the child. And that child just essentially repeats what their parents have done. You know the mistakes that they do and that's all in the lyrics that's that's what influenced me i don't i don't know how you know it's it's easy man it's so easy to be a director with good material you know mm -hmm. that's the thing that's what a lot of people maybe don't understand it really it just it just flows it just goes you just you, you know what to say and how to say it 
because you get inspired by the material. It's when you have dead material, wooden, you know, kind of inflexible, horrible material, or God forbid somebody's forcing you into doing something in a certain way that maybe it's not natural. That's when it's impossible to be a director, I could assume, because then you just become like a craftsman. Okay, stand here, put the camera there. Commercials, in a way, you know, mm-hmm. commercials. Not all of them, but that's that's kind of how, how it feels doing those. Unless you kind of gain enough cred that you get a little autonomy. You get, oh, but you will do something cool, let's leave them alone, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Instead, okay, well, we don't really like the way she's holding the fork, you know, you, know, that's, you get a lot of that too. <clears throat> Um, it's it's interesting what you said about um, doing the visuals metaphorically, because I feel like one of the things that's um, that I'm noticing coming through in this next wave of material that's coming in, it's mm-hmm. <clears throat> you're talking about movies. I'm talking about movies, and I'm even talking about scripts that come that I have the opportunity to read that mm-hmm. aren't mine. That mm-hmm. some of it, and, and some of it's just even, I see it in television a lot too, is where is that, um, or it's a lot in song lyrics these days. I would say that that's where I'm really seeing it, or, or I should say hearing it the most, is in the um, song mean, lyrics. I mean, is they're too obvious? Too, it's too on, the on the nose, and it's too yeah. obvious. And when you think of some yeah, of but those... Yeah, but I think, no, 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 you know what, I'll disagree with you. No, they're always really listen to fucking Elvis Presley. I mean, listen, listen to the, even the Beatles. Well, the Beatles are a little bit esoteric. No, I think I think the coolest music is you know I, I, this is something I was fascinated about. The, the some of the best movies have the stupidest titles. If you if you if you if you remember, you know. <laughs> okay, so let's agonize. name some people of them. Let's agonize. name them. Let's go through them. Well, Star Wars for one. You know, I mean, now we're so used to it. It's like the name. Is some of the best bands have the most retarded titles names. The Beatles. Think about how stupid that name is. Sometimes I do. Think about <laughs> think about how stupid Pink Floyd is, or Led Zeppelin, <laughs> or you know, I mean, it's ridiculous, right? Or even you know. But I, I don't necessarily mean the. I mean the. Names. So what I, what I'm getting at what I'm getting at is okay. that um, is that this is something that I can't remember who maybe Brian. Brian Grazer, uh, I had a conversation with him and I said, he said, you should have never, I can't remember, remember saying you should have never named House Santa Fox a stupid name. I what? said, well, that's, well, it is a stupid name. I agree with him. It's, it's, it's trying to be, you, can never, you should never be poetic in a title. The title of a movie, this is a rule that uh, I, I don't think Brian invented, but he certainly told me this rule. <laughs> a, rule of, a rule of a film is you name it whatever the fuck it is. You know, the shortest, most clearest, non-poetic and non-metaphoric uh, uh, way of describing what it is. You know, it's like uh, a movie about a runaway bus, speed. <laughs> you know, a uh, movie about, uh, uh, you know, the, about a, a, a crazy guy living with his dead mother, psycho, you know. <laughs> those, I mean, those, those names are that way for a reason. Do you know what I mean? They really are. You don't call it like you don't. You don't call it. You don't call ET right. A film like ET, you don't call it Far Away from Home. <laughs> you know, you call it ET, extraterrestrial, and it's, that's what the fucking movie is about. And that's that's the way you should name films. So what I'm getting at. 
this is long-winded way, <laughs> is that the, the, the best lyrics are the ones that get right to the heart, are the ones that are simplest and right to the point. And the best scripts are that way. It's, a, you know, and if you look at, there's, there's nothing arty about House Sun and Fog. There's nothing arty about three billboards, you know, in Ebbing, Missouri, right? right? Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Right, there's it's about three billboards and they say it's three about, billboards. Yeah, but I'm not just talking title now. I'm going deeper in that. I'm right. going, there's no, there's, yeah, there's no art in it at all in these films. There's no art in three billboards. There's no, there's no bullshit. It's absolutely the most efficient way to tell a story and to tell it in the most emotional way because the material is like holds it up, you know? Mm-hmm. It absolutely holds it up. Is when you when you start when your material flags or weakens, is when you start trying to 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 put style into it. The Dafalum would bullshit, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, it's ultimately it's 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 clear. The clearer you are. The more you shortcut to the to that cerebral center of emotion and of feeling, mm-hmm. right? I think. Anyway, that's my stupid theory. Well, I, I was thinking about um, what is that? I uh, last year I, I did enjoy that Manchester by the Sea. I love that. That's so funny. That's my favorite film last year, and it, this year it's the Three Billboards film. I liked I liked the three billboards and the other one that I loved was the um, Call Me by Your Name, but you know that's the I title. Never, I never saw Call Me by Your Name. Oh, Vadim, I cried good, like huh? a baby. Cried really? like a baby. Good, good, good. It's like a gay thing coming coming of age, right? Something yeah, but it's it's like so crazy. Yeah, identity. It, yeah. It, it is, but you know, I mean, you're you you uh, you should see it. I know it's crazy. I, I, I have watch- a I have a Holocaust movie in the pipeline where I was looking at the Chalamet kid. He's from there, right? Yeah, he's fantastic. He's, he's from that film. Yeah, but he's he's very hard to get now. I know, isn't that the kicker? Film. You know, you, you see yeah. them, you're like, okay, yeah. they're great. Let's call them. Oh, you can't call them anymore. You know, he was in uh, the know. the um. A week ago, you could get him to do your son's bar mitzvah, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> come hey, no, I want the the, the Chalamet kid. Get him dressed as a clown. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's funny because he was in Greta Gertwig's movie and he's this small kind of supporting character. Yeah. And then, you know, he doesn't, he's kind of plays like the wormy, jerky guy. And mm-hmm. he's good in his scenes. But in this Call Me By Your Name, it's like you just are so taken by him. Like you're just so. I, I understand. I understand. Yeah, yeah, you just because you know because it clicked into his niche, clicked into his role. That happens. Yeah. It happened with De Niro and you know and Taxi Driver, mm-hmm. <laughs> Raging Bull. Yeah. You know, he, clicked, he clicked in. Yeah. And the director, of course, is important too, not just the actor. It's true. The director who first of all sees him in this role and uh, says, "Wow, that guy's perfect for this." Yeah, and so on. I am. Um, but what other questions do you have? I said just, he said he very pompously. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> listen. How much following? longer is this podcast going on, girl? Oh. No, no. I, I love hearing my own voice. It's not about that. It's it's more like the you know. Let's get to it. Speed it up. Um. Okay. So, the the yoke five that comedy that you did. 
How do you say it? Oh, that that's horrible. Okay. Don't, don't don't even look at that. All right, so no, we that, won't. That was that was uh, it was like one of those. Um, God, I'm gonna be so crude again. Um, it was one of those like you're walking down the boardwalk in Venice, and some guy goes to, "Hey, man, yeah, you want to make a hundred bucks?" Oh, <laughs> it's it pretty much like that. <laughs> okay. And you just happen to need the hundred bucks, and you go, "All right, what the fuck." Uh, I I know someone who calls that her. Uh, um, it was her earthquake insurance money when she. <laughs> there you go. She there she said go. yes to a film that, uh, <laughs> and everyone goes, "How could you have said yes to that?" She's like, "I I I'm a single mom with a daughter, and I had to buy earthquake insurance. Leave me alone." Exactly. <laughs> earthquake insurance. That's a great. I've got to remember that. Yeah. That's funny. So you know. So anyway, this wasn't a whole movie. This was a segment in a movie, a vignette in a movie, and a comedic one. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was uh, fun to go and shoot it. For, yeah. So speaking for, of segments. Big, big money, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. but segments in movies. I yeah. am very interested in this untold story of Alice Guy Blanche. Or oh. Blanche. How do we say it? I um, don't know. And maybe in the States it was Blanche. In France it would be Blanche. Okay. No, in France it would also be Blanche. Um, so how did you get involved in that? And oh, they just called, and they they wanted um, they wanted to interview me for it mm-hmm. because um, because again because I make movies about women, <laughs> right? So and she was the very first and possibly, arguably of course, uh, greatest woman in the in involved in film ever, like one of the most influential women involved in film that a lot of people don't even know her name, yeah. I mean, way before, you know, uh, way before these, you know, the modern days. Obviously, this was this was the year of Chaplin. Right. Yeah. It's uh, that's back when it's they incredible. that, that was back studio. when they made cliffhangers in New Jersey. Yeah, exactly. She had her own <laughs> studio in Hollywood. It was before uh, Fairbanks and uh, his. Uh, I'm blanking on name. Who was Fairbanks' wife? Mary Pickford. Mm-hmm. So what's a typical day like for you, Vadim? Like when you get up in the morning, what happens? Yes. How does it I clean start? my gun. <laughs> and uh, I go out in the, in the, in the field. <laughs> and I shoot me some varmint. No, what, what, what do you mean? What, what is this? Well, you know, typical some, day? some people are like, I, I get out of bed. And the first, I, I need my coffee. Some people are like, I have to make this particular shape. Some people meditate. Some people have to take a walk. Like what's... What's your morning like for you getting ready? Because you get a lot done, and you have. Well, I really wish I got a lot more done than 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 I do. That's for sure. But um, I, you know, in the morning I start procrastinating. That's my. That's one of my. You wake uh, up and it's automatic. The eyes open and yeah, like I, let's I procrastinate. Start. Like I, I just start. Like some people do their exercises. I start my procrastination exercises. And, and I, you know, I carry them on for the next four hours or so, all the way through lunch. And that was just, that was the warm up. And right around lunch, I start, I continue procrastinating, but now with a lot more strength and power. And, uh, and I procrastinate pretty much until the evening, where right around dinner, right after dinner, I get horrified that I haven't done anything all day. And uh, I start really getting down on myself. And then I will force to, for myself to be sit down, sit down at the computer and like continue reading or writing something. 
and then I will get distracted by the you know by some mundane thing, and I'll say you know what tomorrow morning I'll wake up and you pick it up right here and do it, and then next morning it's the repeat of this. So that's pretty much it. so now you know. Wow. I do all day. Yeah, and I wait for people to send me great material. And I read <laughs> books. I also read books. I, I read a lot of books that I've done my whole life in the hopes of finding something else that flashes, you know, in my brain and inspires me enough to, to, to stop procrastinating. <laughs> well, since you love books so much, would you ever, or have you ever written a book that we don't know about? Maybe one that's no. on your, on your hard drive, or would you ever write a book or is that not? No. I, I mean, I, I would, I would, I would love to, I, I dream of it because it's, it's the ultimate autonomy, I think. It's like you don't need financing for, for your project. You don't need uh, other people involved in it. It's you in this page. Um, but that's what makes it scarier. It's you in this page with an unlimited budget too when you're writing, you know? And uh, that's what makes it a little scarier, that blank page. And almost every writer can tell you. So, but yeah, hopefully one day, yeah, um, I, I would love to. I would really love to. I don't know if I would, or I don't know if I could. I don't know if I have the skill. But I'll try. I didn't know I had the skill to write a screenplay, and I did. So who knows? Let me just sat, sat down and start typing. So there's yeah, nothing just, like there's no like there, there's no like you work out, you eat healthy, you oh, drink coconut water. Is there's nothing? No, no, God, no, no, no. I drink beer not in the morning, but somewhere around the afternoon. I you know I ride my bike a lot. I'm pretty healthy in that way. I quit smoking a year ago. Here's part of it. Congratulations. Thank you. And, um, you know, I'm good. I'm good. I'm an old man already. God damn it. You know, I need, I need, um, I need to hold a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, I want to see my children, you know, at least get married. Jacob's in New York now. Come on. Remember Jake? Yeah, yeah, he's in New York. He's How old there, is he? He's, he's, on the, he's 18. There was one quote or anything you want to leave us with before we finish up tonight? Or oh, wow. is there anything that you would uh, wow. you would right. dream of? Like you said, okay, you know, maybe the book, okay? Give, give me a direction, like some sort of, at least some sort of direction for the quote. Like uh, a quote about what or to do what? Is there, is there a quote that you would say is your kind of like mantra to live by? Like, is there one that you really just love that, you know, like, you, you know, no, I mean, you... I have my favorite poem, you know, and that, that's my mantra. It really is. It's, it's, it's my email address and it's, uh, it's tattooed on the arm of the woman that I'm with right now. <laughs> the name of this poem. Did she and, have the uh, tattoo before you started yeah, dating? No, or... it's when she met me. Yeah. When I told her she tattooed the whole name of the poem on her arm. It's my wife, actually, no. Okay, so can you share it? And now we're going to um, know who she is wherever we go if we see this bare arm. <laughs> nah, I don't know. <laughs> True. Anyway, so uh, it's called The Bluebird, and it's by Charles Bukowski. Mm -hmm. And it, it just, I don't know, for many people who misunderstand me and misunderstand the people like me, or Charles Bukowski, for that matter, who's, who's you know, I, I, can, I can be brave enough to say that is similar in worldview and makeup to me, um, you know, he, the, that this, this says who we are. 
and I'll let you find it and you read it. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to read this book. Okay. So it's up the to the Bloomberg. Yeah. You read it. I will. Nadim Perlman, thank you so much for um, thank you, Jewel. hanging thank with you. us tonight. And it's a um, there's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too tough for him. I say stay in there. I'm not going to let anybody see you. There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I pour whiskey on him and inhale cigarette smoke and whores and the bartenders and the grocery clerks. Never know that he's there. There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too tough for him. I say, stay down. You want to mess me up? You want to screw up the works? You want to blow my book sales in Europe? There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too clever. I only let him out at night sometimes. When everybody's asleep, I say, I know you're there. So don't be sad. Then I put him back. He's singing a little in there. I haven't quite let him die. We sleep together like that with our secret pact. It's nice enough to make a man weep, but I don't weep, do you? If you like this podcast, share this podcast. If you have questions for our guests, please use the call-in feature on the Anchor app. If you have other questions for me, please use contact at jeweldonahue.com. Thanks for listening.